Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually, these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hey friends, you're listening to episode seven of season two here on Good Question. This mission season has been such a joy to record, but for me, a few of the episodes have been extra special, and this is one of them. I met Colleen Carter for the first time this past fall, but I felt like I had known her for years. Part of that is because we have been connected through my sister for years. My sister Jennifer spent time with Colleen when she was in Amer to Ghana, but it's also because Colleen herself has the warmest, most welcoming spirit. As a little peek behind the scenes of the podcast, I almost never record an interview over video, but I decided to use my video this time because I just wanted to see her face and it was such a blessing to me. I felt like I was sitting down in her living room having coffee with a mentor and a friend. And you'll hear the things she shared in this chat impacted me and the spirit used her words to convict me. I hope you enjoy listening in to my conversation with my friend, Colleen Carter. Colleen Carter, welcome to Good Question. Thank you. It's good to be here. We're really excited to have you here. I feel like we met at conference, but it felt like meeting an old new friend, new old friend. I don't know how you would say that, but um, you've known my sister and my parents and other folks we're connected with for so long. And I've heard your name and known about you. And it just felt like, oh, yeah, of course, you're my you're my friend, Colleen. But we had never actually met before. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. <laughs> so um, I'm excited to get to talk to you today for the podcast. We'll start with the introduction, let you introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you're all about. Okay. Well, my name is Colleen Carter. and um, I was a missionary in Ghana for 20 years and then recently transferred to Gabon in Central Africa. And um, I'm originally from New Brunswick, Canada and grew up in the church. Amazing family from a little tiny, tiny community, though. So I had never been on a plane when I got to go to Africa the first time, like never seen the inside of one. And I just got on the plane and headed for Africa. Yeah. So that was quite interesting. <laughs> Very big difference in uh, life. But I am a graduate from Northeast Christian College, which is the Bible school in New Brunswick, Canada. And then also uh, I have a degree with Global University in Springfield, Missouri. So um, I use that with my my job here as a missionary because basically my whole ministry is training in I'm either in the classroom teaching or I'm in the office preparing the materials to be taught. So having a degree in religious education is definitely uh, a bonus. Obviously, I'd love to go on further in the education part, but with a new change of field, I haven't just changed fields, I've changed languages. Mm. And so I have a major curveball at the moment trying to conquer the French language. And yeah, that has... That one is going to take some work, <laughs> but we're, we're thankful. 
God is doing great things and we're thankful for that. So yeah, missionary, Gabon, loving it, having the time of my life and um, thankful to be able to share a little bit of what God's doing. Oh my goodness. First time on a plane and you fly all the way from Canada to Africa. In February. Oh my goodness. How, <laughs> how did that even happen? How does that come about that a girl in, in Canada, New Brunswick, gets on a plane and flies all the way to Africa? Well, um, it's quite the story, actually. But uh, Brother and Sister Corcoran, who were missionaries to Pakistan at the time, are originally from New Brunswick, Canada. And when I was just a kid, my mom was my Sunday school teacher. And so at Christmas time, she pulled out all of the um, missionaries that were from New Brunswick off of the map and just said, we're going to send them Christmas cards from home kind mm. of thing. Not that we wanted to exclude the rest of the missionaries, <laughs> but they was just pick, picking the ones that were originally from New Brunswick is what we were trying to do. Yeah. And I, I chose the Corcorans at age seven. I started writing to them and it just kind of snowballed from there, a relationship to the fact that he's actually gone on to glory, but she's still alive. And when I go home, I go visit her. It's still a friendship so many years later. But then as a kid, senior camp in uh, New Brunswick, I went to camp meeting and it was a powerful service. I remember it. And when I was there, it was like a, a very powerful time in the altar call. And I turned around after I was done praying and I said to my mom, I'm going to be a missionary. And my mom, you know, I was 14. So my mom's like, okay, sure, whatever. I don't really think she believed me mm. at the time, but I have a feeling she kind of believes me now, <laughs> you know, 22 years of being in missions. I have a feeling she, she believes me now, but when I graduated from high school, I went to Bible school in New Brunswick and in my third year of Bible school, I knew that there was a call of missions. Obviously at 14, I felt called and I just didn't know where. But because of the Corcoran's influence, I thought I was going to Pakistan, right? But obviously, as a single lady, it's not possible in that country. And so Sister Corcoran, very wise, incredibly wise. And I respected her so highly that I never even thought to question. Like, it was like, yes, ma'am, kind mm. of thing. She said to me, she said, the door to Pakistan is closed. Ask God to open another one. Mm. And I was like, literally... Okay. Yes, ma'am. Like I never hesitated. I never thought to say, yeah, right. You don't know. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like I didn't, mm -hmm. I never, never thought to even question her wisdom. It was just, yes, ma'am. And I began to pray about it. My brother was working with, um, brother Poitras's brother, who was a pastor in New Brunswick at the time. And my brother was the assistant pastor. Uh, they ended up at because of the times together. And the Poitresses were home from the field for deputation. And so they're all talking. Sister Poitras is praying for someone to come and help with the girls' schooling. And uh, the guys all start talking. So I'm asking God for direction. She's praying. The guys start talking. And my brother just mentions it to Brother Poitras that um, I have a sister that's graduating from Bible college. And she has a call of God in her life for missions. Do you think that would be a possibility? And so Brother Poitras gave a bookmark to my brother and my brother brought it to me and he arrived at the Bible school like on a Saturday. And so I slipped it in my Bible, you know, and I said, yeah, I'll write about it. Got it. No problem. And Sunday, brother Arden Bustard, who was the pastor at the church in Fredericton at the time, 
he preached. I can't give you the sermon topic, like the actual title or the scripture. I just know it was along the line of giving yourself completely to the will of God. Hmm. And as soon as the altar call was given, I remember just like almost running with my Bible. And uh, if I could take you to that church today, off to the right hand side on the platform, I laid the Bible and I literally basically laid myself on top of it. And it was just like, okay, God, I'll go. You know, if this is your will, I'll go and I'll not look back. Monday, I contacted the Poitresses, began the whole process of application and passports and visas and vaccinations, like blow your mind. Like I had no clue. (laughs) Right. And like the fact of ordering that, you know, buying a, a plane ticket, I had never bought anything like that before to the fact that I thought saving a hundred dollars on a plane ticket and doing 19 hours on the train first. Oh yeah. 19 hours on a train. Oh yeah. (laughs) Crazy. Like nuts. Oh my word, nuts. Like, just no, don't do that. But anyway, we went (laughs) 19 hours by train and then got on the plane in Toronto and flew to Ghana. Yeah, it was quite the journey by the time I got there. That is such an awesome story. And I love, so the things that I'm pulling out of that as a mom, I'm thinking about the importance of having other people speaking into your children's lives, like trusting that God will send them the right mentors and the right mm-hmm. people who can guide them on a path that maybe maybe your mom didn't have the ability or the experience to be able to guide you into a missions path. But just by encouraging you guys to send Christmas cards, she got you connected with somebody so mm-hmm. that she was in place and you had a relationship that she could speak to. Like the way that God just lines things up It's amazing. Through one little thing that your mom does to encourage missionaries. And it's really funny that you mentioned like the missions map and poster because we were just talking with Dennis Euchre Mm -hmm. and he was talking about how his mom had posted that missions map down at three-year-old eye level in their house for the kids to pray over the missions map. And he says, my mom kind of brainwashed us into loving missions. (laughs) And I thought that was so funny, but it's so true. Like we all have a role to play in getting the gospel out. And sometimes that's through our children and absolutely being willing to let them go, first of all, but then cultivating that love and cultivating that even awareness that this is something that's happening in the world. And I don't know, that's encouraging to me as a mom. That's awesome. That's awesome. My mom struggled with letting me go, even though she knew that that was the will of God. Yeah. But then she came to visit me. And when my mom came to visit me in Africa, she was sold out from then on. Like there's no, she became like my biggest cheerleader after that because she realized I was just as safe or possibly safer in Africa than I was in Canada or, or, Mm. you know, anywhere in North America that I was in the will of God and that was the perfect place to be. So when she came to visit, it, it changed my mom's perspective on the whole situation. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Big time. (laughs) Parents who have kids who are talking about missions and you're thinking, absolutely no way am I ever letting my kid go across the world. (laughs) Just, just pray about it. (laughs) Just just let him, let him see the Lord. The Lord knows what he's doing. Absolutely. I have two young ladies arriving on Monday that will 
their very first missions trip. They've never, they've been obviously on a plane before, but they've never gone across the world. So it's going to be an interesting three months, but they're starting out like I did, not knowing what's coming, what's happening, just knowing that it's the will of God to do it. And if it is the will of God, God will look after you. Yeah. Definitely. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So I'm going to jump ahead in a, in a couple of our questions here, because you mentioned that when your mom came, she realized that you were safe. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to ask some general questions about missions in Africa. What do we in North America need to know that maybe we misunderstand misconceptions that we have when we think, oh, Africa, like, talk to me about your daily life and like, <laughs> why maybe we shouldn't be so scared of it? <laughs> Well, basically what was hilarious at the beginning, my mom, I don't know if she thought she was dropping me right off the edge of the world. (laughs) Honestly, like it was, she really struggled with it. And I, for one, didn't know what to expect either. And funny story. I love ice cream. Okay. Absolutely adore ice cream. So I thought I was going to have to go the whole year without ice cream. (laughs) And so like, I had this like massive bowl of ice cream before I left. And uh, got there and the pointers just took me for ice cream like the next day. Oh, that's so so funny. Oh, okay. I can survive Africa. (laughs) I've got it. It's all good. They have ice cream. Um, It was just so like, that's so crazy. But yet it's, it shows sometimes how small our thinking can be Mm -hmm. to the point that, you know, we're missing, going to miss all of this and this. And when I first came there are some things from home that you miss, mm-hmm. but you, but you learn to find alternatives and you learn to find replacement things. Now, some things I bring from home, mm-hmm. you know, certain coffees and, and stuff like that, you bring it with you because you're not going to find it here. Mm-hmm. But there are some other things that it's like, you know what? No, it's got a little tiny bit different taste, but it's okay mm. because It's life here. It's Mm -hmm. cheaper to buy that here than to pay for so much shipment, you know, of stuff over and whatever. And then you got to store it once you get it all here for (laughs) four years, you know, so it can get interesting with that type of thing. You learn to adjust, but that comes with knowing you're in the will of God. Mm. I have found people that really struggle with adjusting to something new are really not in the will of God. That they, they can't be flexible. They can't um, adjust to something, a different lifestyle. It's always, I have to have connection to North America. And I have connection to North America too. And I'm very thankful for technology. But I have learned too that this is home. Mm. So I really have two homes. Mm. I, when, I'm, when I'm going to visit my parents, I'm going home to visit mom and dad because Canada will always be my first home. Mm-hmm. But when I'm leaving Canada, I'm going home. Mm. <laughs> so it's like there's, you learn that this one is actually home. Mm. And I just, I just came through Christmas completely alone, which was not a bad thing. I, I was actually thankful for the, for the reprieve, the calmness. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, I had time with my family in October. And so having Christmas alone was not a bad thing. Like I didn't cry. I didn't, you know, it Mm -hmm. was actually very calming, very relaxing because I was home. Mm. It was in my house. I was okay. So sometimes we think that everything has to be a certain way in order for me to be okay. And in reality, no, you don't. As long as you're in the will of God, Mm. 
because there is a peace that comes with the will of God that surpasses all understanding. And you will find, you will find adjustments. You will find things that you have to be flexible with, but totally doable, definitely possible. If you have the mind to stay in the will of God, hmm. you know, there are some days that I struggle. I'm, I'm going to just say, you know, I'm human mm-hmm. and we do struggle. And there are days that when everybody else is at mom and dad's and I'm not, mm. I'd really like to have a, a plane that I could get on <laughs> and go home yeah. for the day, you know. Um, but yet I know that I'm in the will of God. And it really does help to have that Christian family at home supporting me too, Mm. that I'm not made to feel guilty Mm. for being away. I'm not made to feel guilty that my parents are getting older and I'm the single person. So I should come home and look after them. No, like my siblings would be the first to say, absolutely not. She's in the will of God, leave her alone (laughs) kind of thing. Like Mm -hmm. it's that's, and I'm very thankful for that. Not everyone has that. Yeah. I am tremendously blessed with that. And so I don't know if I've actually answered your question or not. I've, I've gone all over the place. I think those are all such good things for people to hear. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to that because it's all, (laughs) it's all, it's all stuff I need to hear as I prepare to leave what's familiar to me and go somewhere, which doesn't, it doesn't sound like it's going to be that different, right? Like we're going to Europe. It's not, it's not the same thing as going to Africa, quote unquote, but it's different. We've been there and there are things about it that are different. And so I have to keep in my mind, like, I don't have to have things my way. I don't have to have specifically what I'm used to all the time. Right. There's, you know, I'm not going to find brand names that I would be used to at home, but you learn that, um, yeah, Tide soap is wonderful at home, but you can find an alternative here that works just as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so yeah. you learn to adjust to the different tastes, different things that you need, different products you use. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some things that I just bring with me because I find like, for example, toiletries, I don't find that they work for me because I'm not used to, my body's not used to them mm. for the long apostolic hair the shampoo here doesn't work. Mm. So I bring it with me from Canada or the US, whichever. And so, you know, so there are some things that I, I would say, no, I, I'll bring that with me. But then there are other things that it's like, no, it's fine. I'll just yeah. buy it here. What's here works kind of thing. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's being, being okay with coming out of, outside of your comfort zone in order to do what God wants you to do. Yes. And realizing on the other side of that, that it's worth it to do that, Mm -hmm. that it's okay. (laughs) It is. It is. And there will be adjustments, like, for example, where you're going. It's very similar, but yet, depending on where it is in Europe, it may not be as as much freedom for worship. Mm. There's it may more be a spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. Than it than it is like what you find in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in this country here, we battle Catholicism very highly, and and then other traditional religions as well. So, like I can go to town. I just went this morning. I found everything I needed, but yet there is that that thing in the spiritual realm that you keep hitting mm-hmm. that you don't even realize yes. if you're not. If you're not sensitive to the spirit, you won't see it. 
Yeah. But it's, but it's there. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, you know, tearing down strongholds becomes very uh, common. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's where the, the practical and the spiritual all bleeds together. And it's all just walking with God and following the spirit in everything. Yeah. But God will never lead, lead you where he, you know, like the saying says, his grace cannot keep you. Yeah. And I, I've learned that and I live by it that if it's his will for me to be here, and I, I believe it is, then everything I need is in this country. Mm. Everything I want may not be in this country, but mm. everything I need is in this country. Because mm. he will never take me where his grace can't keep me. Yeah. And it's true. Very true. Yeah. That's so. really good. Hmm. All right. Well, let's move into talking about this next thing. You've already mentioned it already. You're a single lady on the mission field. Yes. So talk to me about that. Talk to me about, about singleness and the mission field and, and what are the challenges of that? What are the benefits of that? How does that, how does that work out for you? Well, I've been doing it now for 22 years, so <laughs> kind of used to it. However, if the Lord wanted to change it, I would not be against that idea. <laughs> but I have learned to be happy and that it's not some kind of sin or condemnation or whatever to actually be single in ministry. Mm. And I'm happy in who I am and I'm happy in what, you know, God has chosen for my life. And like I said, if he would choose to change that, great. But, you know, if he doesn't, I choose joy. I choose happiness. I choose to see the silver lining in all of it. And uh, I, when I was thinking about this question, I was looking down through your questions earlier and I thought, hmm, you know, it's a challenge, yes, but it's also rewarding hmm. at times because the only person's way that I can get in is my own. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there is nobody else in the house to say like, hey, move, get out of the way. I need this space. Hmm. I'm joking, obviously, but, you know, obviously in budget it's a whole lot better. It's like one, one ticket and, uh, instead mm. of however many. So there are benefits. Yes. But there is also, uh, the challenge of loneliness. Mm. And, um, I am the very first resident missionary in the nation of Gabal. And until these two ladies arrive on Monday, I'm here alone. And so you have to be okay with being alone. Mm. And it's not easy. And it took me some time to get there because I'm from a big family. And so to leave this loud, boisterous, you know, they're Christian, but yet they love have, to have fun and play games and laugh and holler and go on and joke. And, it, you know, Christmas at my parents in October was absolute riot. It was just, <laughs> you know, blow your mind, the noise level. But you have to definitely be okay with being alone. And so like someone asked me, how did you do at Christmas? I said, well, I'm okay with being alone. I have learned to find joy in the journey and I can entertain myself. Yeah. I don't need someone else to always entertain me. And so that brings peace because if I'm always wanting to be somewhere else, or if I'm always wanting to be someone else, I will not have the peace in my life that I need in order to do my job correctly. Yeah. And so it makes it very difficult that, and I have seen that in others where they don't have peace mm. 
And I'm like, you know what? If you would just learn to be okay with who you are. You know, we all have quirks that we don't like about ourselves and that's just normal. Mm-hmm. And we are trying to walk and lose weight or we try and whatever. Okay. It's who we are. It's humans. So it's how we're made up. But if we can find peace in who we really are and enjoy along the journey, we'll be okay with being, being alone. And it's rewarding in a way that uh, I can do things and go places and be a part of certain uh, ministries that it wouldn't be so easy with a family. Hmm. Whereas other people, it's easier with a family. Right. So, so there's pros and cons yeah. of, of everything. Uh, obviously, if I was married, I could have gone to Pakistan. Right. You know what I mean? It wouldn't have been the will of God. <laughs> but yet, I could have gone. Yeah. But, but as a single lady, because of everything. It was not appropriate for me to go there. It's not safe. Yeah. For one thing. Okay. I don't fear for my safety here. Would it make it easier to have a husband? Absolutely. Cause like he could take the car and get the oil changed and I wouldn't have to worry about it. You know, it's just stuff like that, mm-hmm. that as a single, single lady, you have to do it all. Right. And so you have to learn to give yourself grace that maybe everything isn't as proper all the time as it should be, but you're also carrying the load for a whole couple. Right. Like other, like I'm the only single actual career appointed missionary in Africa. Wow. And so I have to give myself grace because I have beat myself up mentally in the past. Look at them. Like they can, they can just, they are just blowing out the work. Like, wow, look at that. And I'm thinking, but you know what? Wait a minute. I'm cooking the meals. I'm cleaning the house. I'm also trying to study to teach. And, you know, the list just goes on and on and on. And it's like, okay, no, give yourself a little grace here. Yeah. You're one person and they're two. Right. Or if, or if it's a family and they've got older kids, then the kids are also in the ministry working. Right. So, yeah, that you're going to see what looks like bigger and greater results because there's a lot more people working. Right. You know, so you have to learn to, to give and take just, you know, uh, give yourself some grace there. Yeah. But yet when it comes to traveling and stuff, because I'm also involved in a regional teaching ministry in uh, Africa. And so when it's open right now, a lot of countries are closed because of COVID, but I have traveled to several other countries and taught and that's easier to do when you're single yeah. than it is to, to do when you have a whole family because it's much more expensive. And traveling in Africa, I can actually go home almost cheaper than I can to the next African country. Wow. Yeah. It's incredibly expensive to travel in this region. Hmm. And so it makes it, it makes it very much more different with your finances when yeah. it comes to saying, you know what, I'm going to travel to this country and this country. That's great. Wonderful. As long as you get the money to do it mm-hmm. in your, in your budget kind right. of thing. So as a single lady, yes, there are pros, but there are definitely cons as well. Yeah. But I've learned that, you know what, God knows where I'm at and he knows where I need to be and when I need to be there and who I need to be with. Yeah. So I will, Choose joy. I will love the Lord and continue to serve him with all my heart. Yeah. And should he change it? Great. And if he doesn't, 
I still serve him. I still praise him. Yeah. So that's awesome. So we stopped your story at the point where you went to Ghana Mm -hmm. to help the Poitresses with their kids schooling. How did you go from there to being a career missionary in Africa? What's that process look like? (laughs) Um, I did seven and a half years aim, uh, seven and a half years of aim, excuse me. And my whole point the first year was an extra set of hands to Sister Poitras to help with the girls' schooling because they were both doing a Becca from Pensacola, Florida. Um, And so I worked with their schooling. Melinda was in grade five and Kendra was in grade three when I arrived. And so I worked very much all the time, just about every day with their schooling. And she began to branch out in ministry. I didn't teach in the, in the Bible school my first term, but the second year that I went back, I started teaching in the Bible school, but I would teach on the opposite day of Sister Poitras. Mm. So she was home with the girls on the day that I taught. And it made it so that at least one of us was in the room because they were now older and they, you know, we would just schedule their tests to be at a certain time or whatever. And so it grew from there as I started branching out in ministry um, I never saw myself as a teacher because as a, as a young person, I was so introverted. It was scary. <laughs> but when I went to Bible school, um, the administrator put me on weekend ministry and I thought he was crazy, but it started to open something in me to get out of my shell and um, get out there and start, you know, the first sermon I taught on weekend ministry was pitiful. If it was five minutes, that would be stretching it. Like that's, (laughs) Oh, it was, it was horrible. It was so bad. But now, you know, I'm thankful that someone started pushing me and gently just saying, no, you're going to testify. You're going to be a part of the corral. You're going to start team teach with this other student kind of thing. And it just grew from there to where as an aimer, I was okay to travel in my home district to raise funds but I had to call the pastors. The director would not make the phone calls for me. They made it open in my district to, you can go, not a problem, but you have to make the schedule. And so I, I hate the telephone. I have to admit, I do not <laughs> like the telephone and I am being completely honest. I work myself up. Like I get to where I've the almost got shakes. Way. <laughs> oh my word. Trying to get all of this schedule, but I did it and I did it for five interns. And by the end of it, when I, when I would come home to, um, say, okay, I'm going to raise the funds to go back by the end, by the fifth time, I didn't actually take a secular job. I just, the churches all knew I was coming home and it was just like, boom, 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 boom. And I had my funds to go back on the fifth intern. And so in the middle of, I think it was 2005, Sister Jewett, actually, Lynn Jewett from Guatemala, came to visit Ghana and did a seminar there. And um, she helped me just by going down through the application Mm. and helping me not answer the questions, but understand what was being asked. Because as a single lady, it can mean a different thing Mm. than um, someone who was a pastor for 10 years in the U S and is a married man with four kids or whatever. Okay. So the way that he would answer the question, the way that I would answer it as a single lady, and then some questions you just skip, it's like not applicable. It doesn't apply to me. I don't, 
I don't have a spouse. I don't have children. I, right. so you, so it was like, okay, what do I do with all this 20 pages of application here? Right. And so the ministry took off with teaching and printing office and all of that. And then I really did feel to go on in missions and fill out the application for intermediate missionary. Mm -hmm. I actually got an application in 2003 and um, almost freaked out, like almost had like a panic attack. Mm -hmm. And I tore it up. I tore it up and threw it in the garbage. (laughs) I did. It was just like, this is not the will of God. I know it's not. I can tell that it's too soon. Mm. And so when she came in 2005, I sat right down and filled out the whole thing. Mm. Like I never stopped until all 20 pages were full. And she delivered it to headquarters for me. Wow. And so um, it was just when I knew it was the will of God, there was no stopping it. Yeah. But to take this lady that I, you know, I had flown to the U.S. a couple of times for you know, during my AIM tenure for um, conferences or whatever, but I had never traveled down through the U.S. Mm. And in January of 2008, I pack up a van and I head down through all the states. I actually traveled. I'm only missing two states out of the oh three my goodness! I'm what? missing Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii and Alaska. That's all I'm missing. And I will have been to all 50 states. <laughs> In my three deputations. Wow. Like, blow your mind. Have you ever been in Los Angeles in rush hour traffic? No, I have not. They have 30 some lanes. It's like insane. (laughs) And I'm just little, little girl from Podog nowhere. (laughs) You know, just following the GPS, like ready to pass out. It's just freaking me out. Like, oh my (laughs) word. The stuff that I went through, like, it's just amazing, right? But you learn and you grow so sometimes quicker than you want to. Yeah. But I'm thankful for all of the experiences because the people that I have come in contact with through deputation has been astounding. People that, you know, they just regularly check up on me and pray for me. And it's amazing the friends that you make. Yeah. But to push yourself out of that comfort zone and get in the car and head, you know, with a GPS that sometimes works. Like <laughs> one time I ended up in the middle of a cornfield and it told me I had arrived at church. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, like, you know, I've never seen a church quite like this, Lord. But you know what? If that's the case. Oh, oh my man. goodness. Oh, it was a riot. But, um, you know, you learn a lot and you're thankful for the for the journey for sure. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I hope we're breaking down some barriers in people's minds where they think like, how could I ever possibly do whatever it is in their mind that they think they can't do? Sometimes, it's possible. Sometimes God lets us ease into things. Sometimes he lets yeah. us take it a step at a time and one aim term at a time. And then sometimes he says, okay, it's time to go. And, but like yeah. you said, he's going to, he's going to be with you no matter which way it's going. And he's going to help you. Absolutely. If you're in the will of God, it's going to, it's going to be okay. There, I needed to grow up. I needed to um, be under Brother and Sister Poitras. And I'm very thankful for everything I learned being underneath their leadership for so long. And then I also worked with Brother and Sister Cisco for, for 15 years out of the whole time in Ghana. So the first five years was just the Poitras family. But then the last 15 in, in Ghana, I actually worked also with the Cisco family. 
And so between the two families, I learned so much just working with them as an intermediate missionary, as an aimer first, and then an intermediate missionary. And then I actually upgraded to career in going into my second deputation. I upgraded to career. And so now as a career missionary in the nation of Gabon, it just, there's things that are different in your budget and all of that, that make it that you can do the work Mm. much more freely here. And I'm thankful for it. So all of that that I've learned in the first 20 years, I'm now applying that as I'm here alone. And on Monday, I'll have two young ladies that come that somehow, hopefully in the three months they're here, I can impart something to them that later on they'll look back and say, you know what, those three months with Sister Carter, I'm glad they happened. Yeah. Because this and this and this happened kind of thing. Yeah. And um, it's not about me, obviously, but yet... I want to pass along what I have learned. Yeah. Yep. Continuing that, growing the kingdom. Absolutely. That one-on-one. Nothing can replace that, like, one-on-one mentorship. It's true. It's true. Definitely. You learn a lot sitting at the feet of of someone that is wise and um, that has been there, done that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thankful for what I learned from those that I was, you know, I've been able to work with. Yeah, I love that. So your, your work now, you said you're mostly doing a teaching, teaching and training. So are you setting up a Bible school there? Is there already a Bible school there? We, we have a Bible school that's built and January the 24th, we will actually begin classes there. We have a part-time school that's been going for about 10 years in the, in the nation. And the president has been uh, president of the church has been running it, but we now have a building that has been built by the church in Pensacola, Florida, Brother Brian Kinsey in the church there. And it's in memory of Brother and Sister Welch. And so it's the Welch Training Center. And I'm actually the director of the school. That's my main job here is okay. the director of the school. And so on, on uh, Monday, the 24th of January, we'll begin looking at everybody's, you know, getting everyone in, into the classroom and saying, okay, this is what we need for this person to graduate. This is what we need. So because some of they have over the years and with COVID and everything, it's kind of a, I have to pick up the pieces at the Mm -hmm. moment and figure it all out, but get people to the point of getting their certificate with the GAS program or their diploma, whichever one. And then on March the 13th, March the 12th, we actually had the dedication of the school. Okay. And so we have visitors that are coming for that. And then March the 13th, which is the Sunday, we will have the Bible school graduation of whoever is finished up until this point. And then we go from there. So it's going to be fun getting it off the ground. It's going to be interesting. All prayers appreciated. <laughs> and it's a new curveball for me because I'm used to just walking into the classroom and being the teacher. I'm not used to running the school. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's, it's a, it's, it's a, whole a different new thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And so being the director of the school, uh, you have to set up the whole program and you have to make sure it's all going smoothly and also be the teacher that steps into the classroom when needed to teach your courses. So it's, it's a little bit different for me right now, but it's, it's a learning curve that I, I'm thankful for it. And 
even though I really don't feel that I'm totally up for it just yet, God thinks I am. So we're going to do our best. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Just like, you know, Stretch get on in the that plane comfort and, zone some more. <laughs> get on the plane and head for Africa. Like, Here we you know, go. Very first time. Oh, dear. But yeah, I'm thankful for all that God has brought. Yeah, that's amazing. Who knows where, you know, from here on the adventure, like, wow, I'm always up for an adventure. So it's like, bring it on kind of thing. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we're asking every missionary on this season is about the impact of the internet and social media on the work that you're doing. So you've been in Africa now for, you said, 22 years. So Mm -hmm. technology has changed a lot in that time. (laughs) So talk to me about how that's that change has impacted you guys for for good or for bad, because some of our missionaries, we've talked about how um, and there's a lot of good things that come with it. But there are definitely some downsides as well. So if you have anything you want to share about that. Basically, when I first arrived, I didn't have a cell phone and I didn't have a laptop. It was dial up Internet in the hallway at the Poitresses and the internet was so slow that you, he would go on early in the morning and he would download the email and upload anything that was in the outbox. And then at late at night, we'd all respond to our emails throughout the day. And then at late at night, he would go on and he would upload what had been responded, whatever, you know, and download so that the next day we would, oh yeah, it was, it was crazy. Like, That's how it started. And I called my parents once a a month on the landline because it was expensive. So um, there was no video chatting. There was no nothing. Right. So the advancement of that has been uh, now I feel completely spoiled because here I am on FaceTime with you and you're in Oklahoma and I'm in Gabon. I can see you no problem. And so it's like, wow, that's really cool. But yet I do agree with the other missionaries because with internet and that being so readily available, we have gotten to where, for instance, writing lessons or preparing sermons, it's so easy to go online and find out what somebody else has done and just copy it. Mm. And you can also find out a lot of garbage online that you don't need in your life. And it's just one click away. Yeah, And so that can be where it's very detrimental to the health of the church, the health of the individual spiritually, very dangerous. Yeah. Now, for myself and my mission, as far as, um, you know, when I first started, you, you did the newsletter and you mailed it to the states and then they copied it and, you know, they sent it out. So the news was like four or five months old before the church ever got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And it was just pitiful, but yet they were thankful to receive the newsletters. And they, you know, every Mission Sunday, some lady or man would get up and share <laughs> the highlights. Yeah, that was that was the normal <laughs> thing, right? But now, like, I can put up a post on either Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever that immediately that those churches that have have me as as a friend on those social platforms or. Um, I have their email with MailChimp, then it makes it, I can send the the newsletter, they can print it out and they read it that Sunday or whatever. And, you know, when the paper one comes in the mail, it's like, whatever, we've already got this, this is, you know. <laughs> so there are definite benefits 
Um, but I do also agree with the other missionaries that there are also um, challenges and disadvantages yeah. to everything being so readily available that it's it's not even this scary. Yeah. You know, but for someone who's alone in a country to be able to connect with the outside world on a regular basis, it makes it so that you don't feel so lonely. Yeah. You know, uh, if I'm going through something, a prayer, I can send out and say, you know what, I need prayer right now. There's, there's something happening in the country and there are people all over the world that will stop and say a prayer. And, mm. and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. So it, there are definite, definite benefits to the technology. But then again, yeah, there yeah. are some that it goes both ways. Yeah. But you can, you can abuse anything in your life. You can take something that's really good and make it bad if you mistreat it. And that's where it can really come um, with technology. If it's used right, it's very good. And if it's misused, then it's very bad. Jimmy, I'm in big trouble. So. Yeah. And that's true for all of us, right? Like that, that's not specific to missionaries. That's for everybody. That, that temptation to keep an eye out on what everyone else is preaching, what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. It can really weigh you down if you don't keep a good tight rein on yourself. Well, you have to have priorities and you have to have boundaries. Like for for example, with, with Facebook, if you don't have boundaries of how much time you're going to spend on it or whatever, um, you can spend hours and you don't even realize. And all you're doing is snooping into other people's lives. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't mean to be negative, but it's true. Yeah. And you've just wasted three or four hours or whatever of your life. Yeah. Worrying about their life. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. What do you just do? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, you have to have boundaries. Yeah. And so I try to be very careful with that to make sure that there are boundaries on how much social media controls yeah. my existence. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, we're working through these now. And I realized I'm looking over this list and I realized that we left off one of the things that the other things that we're asking all the missionaries. So I'm going to mm-hmm. throw you a question that you have not had chance to prepare for and um if you want to say no way then we can cut all this out (laughs) okay (laughs) but the other thing that we're asking all of our missionaries is what is something that you've learned either about yourself about god or about the church that you might not have learned had you stayed in north america in new brunswick and never branched out oh wow one of the things that comes immediately to my mind is the power of angels. Mm. Because when I moved to northern Ghana, uh, to the city of Tomale in um, 2012, I moved to the north. And it's a predominantly Islamic part of the nation. And it's very, it's like you move to a totally different country, but you're still in Ghana. And I, I moved there and I was the very first missionary to ever live outside of the city of Accra in the whole history of, of Ghana. And so some people basically thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm. And if I hadn't have really felt that it was the will of God, I would have believed them, mm-hmm. you know, because it was so drastic. It was so different than, than what I was used to in the city of Accra. And um, anyway... I moved there and I remember the little house that I lived in. I really liked the house. It was nice. But I, I went to prayer one day and it was like, okay, God, I need to know that you're going to look after me. 
I need to know that you've got my back. If this is your will that I'm here, then you've got to just give me some kind of a vision or a sign, a dream, something that proves to me you've got you've gotten covered here. You know, I know the word says it. I know people, you know, I've been taught it all my life that God will look after you. Da, da, da. I, you know, I know that, but I need some kind of a sign that just shows me definite, yes, you mm-hmm. got my back. And I went to sleep and I had a dream. And um, we have like a wall around the house. There's a wall with a gate and wire on top of the wall. And it's for security purposes. And so in the dream, there was an angel dressed for war with their back against the four corners. So there was four of them on, on all four corners of my compound on the outside. Mm. And it was basically that they were dressed for war. You know, in, in my dream, I saw like, you know, the sword and the shield and the whole armor, like basically the armor of God, that you would, you would picture kind mm-hmm. of thing. And there's this man at each corner. So it was like, no matter who came from any direction, they could see them. Mm-hmm. And so I awoke from the dream and began to thank God for the angels and thank God, you know, for them being there and showing me that. Thank you, Lord. I, you know, I really am grateful. And the Lord, I I think you would call it a vision on the inside of the wall, facing the house, all the way around my compound, the square, were people with like shoulders touching and hands clasped and like they were body to body all the way around. And their heads bowed in prayer were prayer warriors from all over North America. Mm. And I felt the Lord speak to me and say that if they ever get through the man-made wall, which is the cement wall, they'll never get through my wall. And it was prayer warriors. And the Lord allowed me to see like five or six people that I knew. Mm. So I recognized them as prayer warriors, people that I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that pray for me every day. Mm. And he, he allowed me to see their face and, and I didn't see everybody, but it would have been probably hundred or 200 people. I don't really know how many could fit all the way around my <laughs> compound, but there was a lot of people and there was all the way around my house, uh, facing the house praying. And, um, I'm just thankful for prayer warriors and the angels. And there have been times circumstances that I came around the corner and I ended up in the middle of a situation. I was doing a prayer walk around the city of Tomalee and I turned the corner and I ended up in the middle of something that I should not as a single lady have been in. Okay. I didn't know. And all of a sudden it's like, what in the world are you doing here? Kind of Mm. thing. And people were starting to get mad and it was like, Oh Jesus. Like, you know, and there was this man, black trousers, white dress shirt. All of a sudden he appears out of nowhere. Madame, follow me. And I never even questioned, like this guy took me down a back alley. Uh I never even, I never even questioned. I just followed him. And he brought me out on the other side of that whole situation. And when I turned around to thank him, he wasn't there. Hmm. So yeah, I, you know, I may have learned the power of, of angels and, and that in North America, uh, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have, but it's amazing when when you are smack dab in the middle of God's will and and it's just like, okay, God, I just need to know that you've got me covered. And then all of the whole thing happened with um, ISIS and all of that. It was like, 
you know, that was after my second reputation, I was heading back to Tomaly. I was still living in Tomaly and, um, I, I was getting ready to go when people were like, you need to move back to Accra. And I was being pressured by Christians mm. <laughs> to get out of there. And I'm thinking, no, if God has taken me there, God can look after me. And so I actually was at Grammy and Grammy Westberg's house in Oklahoma and I had a dream. And I remember walking out to the living room and saying to Grampy, Grampy, I had a dream. And it was like this big red canopy, uh, like a tent thing over my whole compound. And he looked at me and he said, Colleen, they can't get you. That's the blood. You're covered by the blood. They can't even get you from the air. Hmm. So it's like, okay, Lord, you know, like you've got me covered. So what was funny was when the Lord, had, I really felt it was time to move back to Accra. I said, Lord, I'll go, but I'm taking my angels. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I did. I had like four doors. Like there was a door off of my bedroom and there was a door off the dining room. And then the front door had two like big, like big doors. And um, I positioned them in prayer at those four doors before I ever traveled back to Accra. And so then when I felt it was time to move to Gabon, I said, Lord, I'll go, but I have taken my angels. I am <laughs> not going without them. And they are positioned around this apartment at the entrances um, to this apartment. There is an angel in the spirit realm that has been put there in prayer that is dressed for war. So I go to bed at night. I don't have a fear. I don't have, I'm alone in the country. And, um, I wouldn't be anywhere else. Mm -hmm. I really wouldn't because I am surrounded by, you know, God's helpers. Like he he has sent angels to look after me and, you know, I'm filled with his spirit. Uh, I'm baptized in his name. So I have everything I need to protect me and keep me safe in a, in a world where the enemy, if he means it for evil, God will mean it for good. Mm. That's so good. Ah, that's so good. I think it's an encouragement for, like we were talking about earlier, parents who are sending their kids places and you're afraid. But it's also an encouragement for me. Am I doing my part on this side? Am I doing my part? If you had that vision today, would you see my face? That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I hope so. (laughs) And so that's the conviction of the spirit right there on me that the prayers that we pray and we just send them out, you know, from our, from our safe living rooms. <laughs> yeah. From, from the side of our bed here in our comfortable homes, it can seem like they're not doing anything, but. Oh, they are. They are definitely, I've told people, if you ever, if God brings me to your mind, don't hesitate because you have no idea what I'm facing that day. Yeah. Just getting from my house to the Bible school, anything can happen. Yeah. Anything, you know, so it's like if you feel to pray a prayer of protection or whatever, there are diseases in this country that I've never faced. And thankfully, by the grace of God, I've been kept safe so far. And, you know, you feel to pray a prayer of of covering of the blood over my body physically. Then thank you. You know, there's things that that I face here that I don't or haven't faced before in missions. Yeah. And um, one of them is I always had a team. Mm. Now I have to build my own team. So it makes it where it's like, okay, God, you know, I've got to, it's a total different 
Some things are very much the same, but there are a lot of things that it's not anywhere near the same as what it was. Yeah. And um, you learn all new things and you go forward. Yeah. Yeah. But if God is for us, who can be against us? That's right. Well, if there's anybody who's listening, who's feeling um, a, a leading to help you right now in some way, what is what is a need that you guys have right now that you guys, that you, <laughs> Colleen, <laughs> have right now? And how can people help? Probably the, the needs that uh, there's actually two that I would present to you today, and they're both financial. One is finances for property for a church that we need to buy property and be able to build a church. Uh, right now they're having, due to COVID, they lost their rent. Um, it just, they couldn't pay the rent. So they had to let the building go. And so they're having their services in the living room of one of the church members' homes. And obviously I've been there for service and there's not enough space for the church. Like it's just, it's a tiny little home. Um, so we need to be able to buy property for this this church and then build a simple, not non-elaborate, but a simple church on the property so that they would have their own place of worship. Also, financially, again, would be finishing the compound. We need to, at the Bible school, the grounds, and just getting everything off the ground uh, there. Furniture needs to be bought. We have a dormitory, but we have nothing in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we mm-hmm. have a dining hall, but we have nothing in it. We have a kitchen room, but we have nothing in it yet mm-hmm. because we're trying to just pray the finances in. Yeah. So fi- financially, through Global Missions at, at headquarters in St. Louis, my projects, Colleen Carter, number 748 is my, <laughs> is my, my missionary number, but special projects that would help with these two needs. If anyone were to feel, that would be a tremendous blessing. Okay. God will abundantly bless them in return. For sure he will. We will make sure we have a link directly to that so people can just click right on it, get right where they need to go. If the Lord is leading them today to bless the work in Gabon. Absolutely. All right. We've reached the last question, which is always the same question. We like to ask Uh, every guest, what is a good question that you're asking yourself lately? Well, I thought about being serious and then I thought, (laughs) no, I'll be funny because I've been pretty serious throughout it. So we'll leave on on a lighter note. But I have been asked questions on on deputation. Like, do you have a pet monkey? Do you you ride an elephant to school? Do you live in a tree house? And are you going to drive your deputation vehicle to Africa? And so I'm like, okay, it's funny. And you just kind of laugh as you're driving down the street, you know, away from the situation. (laughs) But so I'm like, I'm wondering, you know, like what an adventure it would be. So I'm asking myself, maybe I should get a pet, uh, you know, monkey and an (laughs) elephant. How cool would that be to go through town on an elephant? Like, how cool would that be? You know? To go to school <laughs> on an elephant. Like, wow. That would be. That would be so, yeah. Like, that would be like top-notch adventure. Um, oh, anyway, it's just funny. fun. That and the funny, funny thing is, is like not yesterday, but the day before, I was leaving the grocery store and there was someone selling monkeys. I was <laughs> like, man. Maybe I should stop and buy one. Oh, that's hilarious. 
fun. So, I love it. Yeah. Well, definitely send us a picture of yourself on an elephant. Um, we would love to see it. <laughs> I need to find one first. <laughs> um, oh, dear. That's so funny. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your heart with us today. And yeah, thank, I know it's going to be a blessing. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. I am so, so thankful that you thought of me to be a part of this. And um, hopefully something I've said helps somebody. And, you know, either be a missionary or be someone who's supports missions and is a prayer warrior for missionaries so whichever you know whichever one they feel god will bless them he will y'all y'all i was not ready those tears that you heard there at the end i had no tissue i had my camera on so she could see me blubbering it was a whole situation but Wow, if her story isn't amazing, encouraging, uplifting, convicting, challenging, all of that and more, I know you felt those things too. You couldn't have helped yourself. I am so grateful to Colleen for agreeing to come on the podcast and share all of that with you. If her story impacted you and you are able to assist with the special projects there in Gabon, I know it would absolutely bless her socks off. We'll have the links in the show notes for you to be able to donate to the work that she's doing there. I definitely want to hear your thoughts about this one. Come and find me on social media. On Instagram and Facebook, the podcast is at Good Question Show, and I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T, as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can follow our family's journey to Denmark at Tanderups for Denmark, Tanderups with an S, the number four, Denmark. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media and is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tandera, my co-producer, editor, and the man who is the real MVP who hangs out with the kids in the van because I'm recording a podcast on a morning everyone is at home and quarantined for coronavirus exposure, is my husband, Dave Tandera. Our audio engineer is Josh Powalczyk. That's it for this week. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.